അയ്യോ ഇറ്റ്സ് മലിക അഗൈൻ ബംബിങ് ഇൻറ്റു വെരി ഓഫ് ആണോ യെസ് യെസ് ഹായ് ഹായ് ബേട്ടാ ഹൗ ആർ യു ഹായ് അങ്കിൾ ഹായ് ആൻ്റി ഓൺ ദ വേ ടു റെക്കോർഡ് യുവർ പോഡ്കാസ്റ്റ് ഐ സെറ്റ് എ കറക്റ്റ് നോ ഓ വാട്ട് വാട്ട് പോഡ്കാസ്റ്റ് അഗൈൻ യു ആർ ഫോർഗെറ്റിംഗ് റിമെമ്പർ ഷീ ടെല്ലിംഗ് അസ് അബൌട്ട് ഹെർ ഫാഷൻ ബ്രാൻഡ് കൺസിൽ പ്ലാൻസ് യു നോ ഷീ ഇസ് മേക്കിംഗ് ക്ലോത്സ് ആറ്റ് ഓഫ് ഗാർബേജ് സോറി ഇൻഡസ്ട്രിയൽ വേസ്റ്റ് Anyway, now she is talking to some diverse and creative people about their own council plans in life. Hmm. Wow, uh, that's quite right actually, Aunty. You know, Uncle, many of us have unexpected twists and turns in our lives. And through my show, I want to look at these plans we make and the plans that we break and how we persevere through it all. Ah, correct. Well done. Ah, quite interesting, I say. So, uh, who are you talking to on the podcast today? On this episode of the Cancel Plans podcast, I'm talking to model and actor Rhea Sukeja. We talk about her relationship with her height, the story of how she went from being an economics student to the first runner up at the 2010 Miss Universe India pageant, and all the best cancel plans of her life. Okay. Hello. Is this uh, is this working? Okay, good, good. You know, this model showdel business is okay for some time, fun and all, but eventually you need to be realistic. Find a nice fellow in normal job. You can't keep running 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 from one photo shoot to another. You're already too thin, mole. Eat something. I'll feed you. Now listen, my neighbor, he told me there is a nice job at her daughter's company. Why don't you put that economics degree of yours to some use? No. First of all, hi auntie, nice to meet you. You're looking nice today. Second of all, not your life, not your problem. So if you have someone to control, I'm sure you have kids of your own. Auntie go be that controlling mother to them. I'll decide what I want to do with my life. Thank you very much. Khana khake jana, ha? Leave it to Reha to say exactly what's on her mind with equal parts sugar and spice. What a way to start this episode. So, welcome to the Cancel Plans podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Excited, thrilled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love the enthusiasm. First, let's talk about the giraffe in the room. <laughs> <laughs> at 6 feet 1. Huh. That's the first thing that I would say a lot of people notice about you whenever you walk into a room. It's all looking up and being tall I think is something like it's become a part of your identity. I feel yeah. like. So I want you to tell me a little bit about your relationship with your height. So while growing up obviously I've always been like the tallest in school and I kept growing at like this crazy speed <laughs> which for some reason no one else did <laughs> in class and i was always the tallest girl in school i was always in the back of every line my friends were always much shorter than me so i had like a perpetual hunch cuz i even to hear in on conversations i had to obviously bend and i was doing that subconsciously right but then i was teased i was called all sorts of names as compared to trees like a coconut tree a shoka tree giraffe obviously and uh, it's called a pole all sorts of names and obviously it would get to me i mean even though i think friends would do it out of love they still do but uh, a lot of other people did it to make fun of me and it would get to me but it wasn't something that i could work on right because when say if you have a weight issue it's something you could always work on unless obviously it's a medical condition but with my height i was stuck with it so what do i do 
And the thing is, the crazy thing is that even some of my friends who are probably on the healthier side would think it's okay to call me all sorts of names. And they would be extremely sensitive about their weight, which I never got. So I was supposed to take whatever they said with a smile and probably laugh it off. But a similar comment towards them wouldn't be taken so well. But anyway, I just very, very quickly, I think in life, I came to terms with the fact that I am this tall. I can't do anything about it. And I just owned it. And if people had to call me names, I just laugh it off, move on, because it didn't matter. Even if they were trying to get to me or trying to be nasty, I just looked the other way and I was like, yeah, it is what it is. And I think once I moved into modeling, thanks to mom, my relationship with my height changed. I was no longer embarrassed by it or something that I had to defend to people. It was celebrated in the industry. The fact that I was tall, I was asked to, in fact, stand straighter. That hunch disappeared with modeling because now my shoulders were back and my head was up. And, you know, I was told to walk straight and tall and proud. And it was an industry that sort of celebrated my biggest insecurity. And after that, there was no looking back. After that, honestly, and age also does that to you, right? So, yeah, now I pretty much don't give a fuck. Yes, I love that. So we're going to get into a little bit about uh, modeling and how you got into it. I hmm. think it's one of your big cancel plans that kind of turned yeah. out to be something yeah. amazing. So I remember we were in college. One day I get a call from you and you're like, I don't think we're going to be able to talk for the next two months. And oh, yeah. at that time we were talking every day. So I was yeah. like, what do you mean? And she's like, I'm going to go uh, be in the Miss Universe India pageant. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> but I think before that, what a lot of people didn't know and don't know about you by virtue of not being your best friend is that you were the biggest nerd. And yeah. you used to study a lot. I don't think you like excessively studied, studied. But you were the kind of a person who took a great pride in getting good marks. Who always did the work to get the good marks. And uh, so I want to hear a little bit how you made this transition from going into a career that you didn't have to study for. When before that, you were the biggest nerd around. So uh, modeling was never part of the plan ever. For me, it was just studying, it was economics, I was probably getting doing an MBA and then trying to figure out what I want to specialize in eventually. But I had this entire corporate life ahead of me that I charted out for myself. And obviously, until my mother, my beloved mother, my cutie, she, she came to visit me in college and she told me that, uh, she said, Reha, she sat me down, she's like, Reha, don't freak out. I've done something. <laughs> But just hear me out. <laughs> and I was like, now what have you done, lady? And she had uh, sent my pictures in for the Miss Universe India pageant without telling me. And uh, she got a call back saying that I've been selected. And Sushmita Sen, who was heading the pageant at that time, whose baby it was, she wanted to meet me. So mom got all excited and she came to me and she knew I'm not going to be as excited as her about it. And she knew it was going to be a conversation and a struggle. And I yelled and I screamed. And I was like, what are you doing? And I have my life sort of planned out for myself. And this is not where I want to go. And pageantry is not where I see myself. And it was a struggle. So even later, in fact, when I keep giving interviews and uh, like newspapers and all would ask me, they'd be like, what was your struggle like at home? You know, when you wanted to be a model how did you break it to your parents? Or how was the struggle at home? And I was like, it 
it was, the struggle was mental. Like my mom kept pushing me and I kept saying, no, I want to study. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, yeah, it, was, it was literally the opposite <laughs> of what every other artist at home goes through when they want to go into a sort of field that, you know, isn't as secure and as safe as say being a lawyer or a doctor or any of the usuals. So yeah, I, I think we fought a lot where that was concerned. And I thought she was taking over my life. And I said, no, I don't want to do this. Even though meeting Sushmita Sen is something that I always wanted to do because I've always idolized her. But pageantry and the world of entertainment and glamour has always scared me because I've never associated with it ever prior to that. And then I think while going back to Hyderabad from Pune, we're going back to Hyderabad for a break. Mom gets a call and she's about to tell them that, you know, she's not coming and this is not happening. And they're trying to convince her over the phone. So they're trying to tell her that, oh, oh no, like, you know, Sushmita Sen really wants to meet her. And we're taking the girls to Italy for training for like two weeks, three weeks, something like that. And I was like, wait, what? Italy? <laughs> you're going to Italy? <laughs> and I was like, hold on. Maybe there is something here that we can consider. <laughs> And it was just that. It was literally the traveler in me. It was like, okay, fine. I haven't seen Italy. Must see Italy. And if I need to do this pageant in order to travel, fine. <laughs> I'll take one for the travel bug in me. And that's how I said yes. And that's why I agreed to do the pageant. So did Italy ever happen? Italy never happened. <laughs> <laughs> There's another cancel plan. <laughs> not the good kind this time not the good kind at all so I think we're often a product of our environment you're very close with your family your mother specifically has been a great role model I've personally seen her chase her dreams fearlessly and I know she is a big influence on you so we can't go through this podcast without dedicating a portion of it to your mom yeah I think from the get-go, we have always been an extremely, extremely close-knit family. Mom has dedicated her entire life to raising us. Every celebration in the house has been huge, be it any birthday. No matter the amount of money we might have had over a period of time, she has gone all out, like pulled out all stops, celebrated everything, given us ridiculous amounts of love. Always, always, always been there. And she was always a cool mom. We have to give her yeah, that. I, yeah, I could always... She was, cool, I, she was a cool mom amongst all of our friends. Yeah, I could always go to her with anything. Actually, no, you know, our equation changed. So I think it was a journey. It was a journey for both of us. I never really saw it from her perspective a lot while growing up. But now I think as I grow older and if I have to think back and I was like, she was also probably in her early 30s. You know, she was 30, I think, when she gave birth to me. And then she was also sort of figuring things out, right? She had also never been a mom before. And, you know, you don't really get this manual on how to raise children. She loved us. She didn't know how to navigate maybe through a couple of situations. But I think all in all, she was just there, committed and wanted to understand like there are a lot of things like, for example, that like we probably don't understand about Gen Z, right? So I'm sure it was the same for the previous generation to understand us. She didn't understand a lot of things, but she wasn't too firm about her way of life and us adhering to that. It was more about her trying to connect with our life and our friends. And if she didn't understand things, she'd ask questions. And even till today, like she just keeps asking questions. And I love that about her because she wants to understand. She wants to be a part of our life. And if there are certain things that she wasn't probably exposed to back in the day, she wants to know how to maneuver through certain situations and she always comes to us. So we've been friends more than 
mom and daughter. And I think as I'm growing older, we just that friendship is just getting even more consolidated. And I think it's just beautiful, beautiful to just have her around. She is just the most warm and loving and fearless person to a point I feel like as if also she pushed me for modeling because it's probably something that she always wanted to do and she was never allowed to. So she'd push me, she'd push my brother. That didn't work. So then she pushed me. And to a point where she'd keep telling us that I'll come back, I'll come back in my next lifetime and I'm going to do all of this. I'm going to model, I'm going to act. And I was like, why are you saying that? You can still do it. And she's like, no, 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 now it's too late. I'm going to come back in my next life. Cut to COVID in 2020. And we are all giving home tests and home auditions, right? Because now we can't go to studios anymore. And she'd see us giving like a bunch of auditions every day. And then she came up to me one day and she's like, Rehab, uh, you think I can also send in my introduction to one of these casting agencies? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> of course. I'm like, get ready now. I'll take an introduction and we'll send it to a bunch of casting guys. She said, okay. Uh, she gave her introduction. We recorded it. We sent it. I think within two days, she got her first audition. And she's so excited. She's kicked. Gave in her audition, sent it. She got the role, Malika. The first audition she gave, she got the bloody role. So now to a point where she is, I think it's been, what? Two years into her, into the auditioning process, she must have given about six, seven auditions. She bagged a role in like two web series. She's done a character role in a movie. She's done two ads. So it's crazy what she can achieve when she puts her mind to it. And we've always known that about her when she does it and she just goes all out. She pulls out all stops. She doesn't know the word lazy. I don't think it's a part of her DNA. I think I get it from my dad. I don't know. Because <laughs> 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 I don't know how she is the way she is at 63. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And she's done so many cool things. But and also what I think is really beautiful is that she kind of led you into modeling and how that kind of turned a whole 180 where you're leading her into these auditions and preparing for it and all. I think that's amazing. It's crazy, right? Because she, she probably pushed me into modeling because it was something that she always wanted to do. And then that, you know how parents, some parents can get, right? Where you want to live your dreams through your children because you couldn't do it. And that's something that I don't always agree with. I don't agree with at all, actually. But in this case, it sort of worked out for me because it's something now that I truly enjoy doing. I love modeling and I love acting and I love the space. And I credit that to mom because I am here because of her, all said and done. And now I can help her having whatever little bit experience in acting and shit tons of experience in modeling. I can sort of help her realize her dreams. And I think that's the most beautiful thing that could have happened to me. Truly, I think I love that for her. I love this for you that it's like this nice role reversal. It's very interesting. And I'm so excited to witness it. Yeah. You mentioned briefly that you guys were auditioning from home, doing your introductions. Let's talk a little bit about how the pandemic went. I think there was a lot of cancel plans for all of us. And yeah. were there some kind of major revelations you had that you wanted to make some changes in your life or tell us a little bit about how the pandemic kind of influenced some of the changes that you want to go ahead and make in your life now that maybe you didn't see coming before the pandemic? Um, the pandemic obviously was a shocker for all of us around the world. And none of us expected to be sitting at home for 
that long of a period. Now, my primary profession being a model, for us, shoots and shows, shows especially require events. And there is uh, this huge, massive audience and this entire huge team that comes together to put on an entire show. And that is something that we couldn't do from home. Work from home wasn't an option for us. I mean, we could do a couple of shoots online that people started doing. But other than that, there was nothing more to it, you know. So it was a very scary time and it kept changing. I think my perspective throughout the pandemic kept shifting. I remember there was a point where I was like, okay, you know, I need to move into something else. And uh, I don't know if there is a future of modeling and whether we'll ever be able to go back. And I need to figure out something else that I need to do. So I think I spent a lot of time with that because I'd never really given it a thought before of an alternative. There's a lot of shifts personally as well, right? Because I think all of us did that. We went through that entire space where we looked inwards and we tried to, we finally saw ourselves, I think, for who we are. And we got to spend a lot of time with ourselves and with our families because now we were stuck in the same space together. No one could really run off anywhere. So even if there was conflict, you couldn't like rush off to work. You couldn't go to the gym. You couldn't do any of that. You just had to be there and figure it out. But I think we broke down a lot of walls that way between each other and then walls that we had built within ourselves as well. I think like I read this thing somewhere, which was humans are too busy doing and not being, but we are human beings. And we're wow. meant to be. Yeah. So I was like, that was something that was pretty cool. I was like, yeah, that hits a bit close to home. But yeah. I really like that. I think that happened for a lot of us where we're forced to confront ourselves. Yeah. And it is very easy to get swept up in work. And it's a great distraction when you don't want to think about this stuff as well. But I think the more that you go through it, you kind of also see that it's needed. And yeah. it makes us all better for taking that look inward. Yeah. And also put things in perspective, right? Because you would see people losing their loved ones, left, right and center. It became so common to just wake up in the morning and to see an RIP post on an Instagram where someone has lost a mom, dad, uncle, sister, brother, to a point where I feel like as we were desensitized towards the end of the pandemic, at least I was, you know, for me, yeah. I didn't me react too. as strongly to someone passing away and I just realized that what are we holding on to and what are we fighting so violently within ourselves and with the people that we love and we're here for a blip so let's just enjoy it I love that yeah we just be good to each other we know all these things we say all these things we share it on our Instagram stories and we forget about it 24 hours later but to truly own it and practice it and be it it takes time but you just got to keep putting in the work and being that person and not just say you are that person. I just hate it when people, when you're all talk and it's not followed up by any action. And I think also like it's so difficult and the payoff is so good. It is. It's like proportional, right? You put in the work and you're going to get the reward as much if not more. So it's definitely like something worth doing, I think. I think also forgiveness is a big one for me that came up in like yeah. the pandemic and after that as well is that in this busy doing running after stuff doing all of that like I think also once we write someone off it's kind of hard 
to forgive them and say, you know what, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. We all have our days where we're not kind to each other. And we're not kind to ourselves. So I felt like forgiveness was a big one that we need to extend to other people and we need to extend the most to ourselves. I agree. I think we're the harshest and we're the most critical with ourselves. And it's hard. It's hard because it's we've hard. had so many years of conditioning and yeah. learning this behavior. And it's really hard to unlearn this stuff. What advice would you give to someone who's a bit nervous about a big change in their lives or is like about to experience a cancelled plan or like someone who's just really scared to make these kind of changes in their life? Because I know you felt these emotions. Yeah, I have felt these emotions when it has probably come to a wedding or when yeah, or yeah. yeah, relationships ending, whatever it is. Like I think we've all gone through them in different ways. But I want to yeah. hear about what you would say to someone from the other side because I see the way that you handle things, and I'm extremely proud of you. And I've seen how far you've come. So I definitely think that'll benefit anyone who's listening. So I saw this interview with Lily Reinhardt, or actually a video of hers on Instagram that was circulating a lot, where she speaks about just us being here on this planet for a blip, given how old the universe is, we are here and our lifetime is barely a blip in that entire cycle. So the fact that we're here, she just says that you're here for a short while. So if we are getting to experience things, you know, so be it highs, be it lows, be it depression, be it euphoria of any kind, She's like, I'm just grateful that I get to enjoy all of it and to feel all of it. As a being, we're getting to feel all of these things. And before you know it, life is over. So the fact that you, as a human being, other animals can't really feel these things in a lifetime. You go through all of these things, right? You feel love for your parents. Then you grow up and you probably have your first crush. First crush probably doesn't respond to your feelings. So you feel your first heartbreak. You make a best friend in someone, the best friend probably moves away, be it your career, you probably figure out what you want to do in life. A couple of years down the line, you figure out that it's not something that you want to do. So throughout our life, we are constantly being faced with unforeseen circumstances, and then we react to them, and we probably make changes, and we adjust to the given scenario, and then we figure out who we are eventually. So even when it comes to big decisions like your wedding or a big career change, whatever you are feeling in the moment, whatever all of your life experiences have taught you and brought you to this very moment, if it is something that you feel very strongly, if it is towards, say, a partner and you're probably having cold feet regarding a wedding and you don't know whether you want to get into it because you don't know whether this is going to be someone you love for the rest of your life, but things like that. In that moment, whatever it is you that you feel, if you feel extreme love and if you feel everything is great in the moment, take that step. I'm not promising you that things are going to work out and it's going to be the greatest love story of your life, but it can be. And if it's not, then you can also get out of it. Nothing in life is a guarantee, no job, no relationship, nothing. So we just got to play the odds. Given everything that you know of in the moment, take the dive. Say you have like this secure corporate job, right? And then you want to become a photographer. You know you're going to be paid from gig to gig. You don't know if you're going to make it as a photographer to begin with. There's no steady income whatsoever. It is scary. These are all scary changes to 
make in life, but you'll never know unless you give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out for you, set up probably a timeline for yourself and tell yourself that if it doesn't work out, it's okay. I gave it a shot. It's something that I wanted to do. Maybe I can still continue doing it as a hobby, but in order to go through life, you know, and if I want a family and if I want to settle down or even if to make ends meet for myself, I need to go back to a corporate job and secure myself and then continue enjoying photography in whatever space I can. But you have to, because before you know it, life just gets over. And I think if there's anything that I've learned from my mom is that when you want to do something, just go for it and the chips will fall where they may. And that's okay. It's absolutely fine. But I think even then in that space, we have to have the courage of getting out of it just because it's been a dream for you. And just because you've given it your all doesn't mean that you have to stick with it no matter what. See it through for sure. Give it your all. If you've made that change, give it your all. Be it a relationship, be it a career change. But also have the courage to be real with yourself. Tell yourself where you are and then say it's okay. Tried it. Didn't work. Big deal. Yeah, that's also on theme with our stop being so hard on yourself way of thinking. Yeah. What would you say has been the best cancel plan in your life? Something you were out to do and then you were excited about, but maybe it didn't go that way, but it turned out being amazing. Two things, two big things in my life. First was, was obviously modeling. I mean, I love economics and I love that entire path that I was taking and who knows where I would have been today. But I think it was extremely scary and daunting to get into this industry when I did and at that age. But I think it's the best thing that has happened to me. I've had a ball for someone who was so stuck on planning her every move to moving into this industry and not even knowing when your next job is coming from. I think it just changed so much about me internally as well. Like without me even having realized that I'm making these changes subconsciously. But uh, I think it just made me easier as a person as well. So I think my greatest cancer plan was definitely getting into modeling. And then my wedding not working out, where everything, where we have literally gone all the way to venues, finalized a venue, figuring out the menu for the wedding. To me walking out of that relationship, it was scary only because I never once doubted my decision, but it was just scary to walk away from something that you're so used to, that you're so comfortable with. I think for me, that was way scarier than anything else because I resist change. I really do. And when I get comfortable and I just want to be in that space and just to try something new, being in a new space is very scary for me. And it's a part of me that I'm trying to get better with. But I think just being in a relationship with someone for that long and when you think that you're just going to end up spending your life with that person to it not working out and then now you're back out in the world again and there's just the prospect or the idea of finding someone new or not knowing who you are without that person anymore because they've integrated into your life in such a way where they've become family. So just finding yourself all over again without that person and then probably the idea of bumping into someone else or getting into a relationship with someone else was scary. It was really scary and to the point where I was actually questioning my decision of whether I made the right decision or not. Three years later, affirmative. <laughs> it was the best, best decision, <laughs> I think, 
for the both of us in the long run. <laughs> so yeah, these are the greatest cancel plans. Absolutely. I think it happened for the best and I'm so excited for everything that's going to come your way because once we I guess clear the stuff that needs to go then we're welcoming what needs to come. So Yeah. So we bonded a lot about a lot of stuff, but let's talk a little bit about fashion. You have more than a decade of experience in this industry. I'm pretty much a newbie. I just started. But uh, what do you think right now is really not working in fashion? What is the yay? What is the nay? And how do you think this is going to evolve? Like how is fashion going to evolve in the future? It's very tough to judge art because it's a reflection of who the person is and where they are at. But you also have a responsibility towards the world because your creation eventually gets out into the world and influences a lot of people. So in terms of the influence that you have towards people, you have to be more responsible with what you're putting out there, especially if you're one of the bigger names. What do you want to say? Would you say either that like people are holding themselves back because they're tiptoeing around everyone's emotions around the idea that they need to be sensitive and that is maybe curbing a little bit of creativity in the sense of I can do anything freely? Yeah. Or the other side where it's like they're not actually doing everything freely but they are maybe using labels or using certain definitions that kind of favor their brand. But I think everyone is doing that. Or probably both. <laughs> yeah, everyone is doing that because now everyone is just so incredibly scared of being judged by millions of trolls online, you know, be it on Twitter, be it on Instagram, and this entire cancel culture. And it is extremely strong because, of, for example, if an artist or if a designer has put in years and years of work, of hard work into their brand, people are just picking them out for like small little things and bringing them down because that's what people do best. I'm not saying it's all bad, but I think a lot of the artists are also restricted in that sort of sense because now you can't go out and create what you truly love. Now you're sort of catering to an audience just in order to not be cancelled by them. So that definitely restricts you. Having said that, there are a lot of people who, and there will continue to be a lot of people where just because this is what is working right now, I'm going to put that label of sustainability, you know, on my fashion label and sell my clothes because this is what is in. And the thing with people also, especially the audiences, is that they don't care about going and doing their research and going and actually figuring out whether a company is using ethical, you know, methods of creating their product. They don't care as long as you're selling it right they will buy it. So that is where we are at. That consciousness is there in a... It's lip service. It is, you know. And I feel like I said, there are very few people who are genuinely, genuinely concerned about the environment and the rest of them are just probably doing it because it's trending. And I think a lot of fashion brands have also started doing that now. And uh, even when it comes to fashion and inclusivity, right? So now a lot of fashion brands are including plus size models. Like, for example, for our shows, we have... In Fashion Week now, we have one plus size model that is there in each pool just to show inclusivity. You know, a lot of designers are doing that where they are including, say, a plus size model in their campaigns or probably older people in their campaigns because they're getting a lot of flack if they don't. I still feel like as if there are a lot of designers out there who are doing it not because they want to and given a chance, they would probably not do it. 
but they're doing it because now, right now, that's just good PR. And that's what I don't necessarily like about it, because if you have to go and see sort of behind the scenes, when you literally go to it, now all the designers have been given their list of models. You've done Fashion Week, right? So you know, so you've been given your list of models, you know their measurements, you know their heights, everything, you know everything about them, you know their look. So even if you have to sort of curate a look for each model, you know who you're doing it for. There are a lot of designers who come in, each fitting goes on, say, for about two hours or three hours. And a lot of designers who come in and they look at all the models and they'll make the plus size model wait for maybe two hours, two and a half hours in the fitting. And then towards the end say, sorry, we don't have anything for you. And I'm like, why is that? She's there in every show as a pool model. Yeah. If you know that there is a plus size model, you make something for her. Right. Because that's the whole point of having someone who is a bigger size in the show, because that's what you want to show. Right. You want to show inclusivity. So make something, make a garment that will fit her. Absolutely. What I hate what some designers do, not all. There are some who make beautiful garments for plus size models. Some designers, they will give a garment that's probably an M and they'll be like, here, this is loose-ish. Why don't you try this on? And then they'll give it to her. That's the opposite of what they're trying to achieve. They're trying to right? achieve, right? But the thing is, the PR is so great that you'll never see that part of it. But behind the scenes, you are literally making that person feel like shit by giving them something that's much smaller and is definitely not going to fit them. I have seen a model who's been very vocal and said, that's not going to fit me. It's too small. But I know for a fact that there are people who can't be that vocal, who are probably going to be meek and they'll say, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go try it. And they know it's not going to fit them. They just don't have the voice to say that it won't. And that's humiliating, it, right? When you know that. It and is. Then, and then you come yeah. out in something that's probably about three or four sizes smaller for you. And then the, probably your biggest insecurity is being flashed and being put to display in this room full of people. And then to have people judge you and say, oh, no, that's not working on her. Of course, it's not working on her. It's not her size. And it's the designer's job to figure that out, not the model's. Yeah. So I feel like these things in the industry, in the name of inclusivity, in the name of sensitivity, there are a lot of people who aren't are doing the opposite. They're doing exactly the opposite, but they're portraying it as sensitivity and portraying it as inclusivity, which I absolutely hate. Can't stand that right now, currently. Yeah, that's awful. You know, you've been one of the biggest champions for cancel plans. When I say cancel plans, I'm talking about our company and our very first shoot. I was like, there's no universe in which you're not going to be in it. You were there. It was so much fun. And like, I hope we get to create so much more good work together in the future because that's something I'm really, really, really proud of. I just wanted to say a little thank you because you've always been my greatest cheerleader. I think you probably believed in me before I believed in myself. And I know that like means so much to me. It meant so much to me then. It still does. That was Reha Sukeja on the Cancel Plans podcast. Thank you so much for being on the show, Reha. It's always so special talking to you. And more so today about your journey so far and what you've learned along the way. Check out the episode description to see where you can follow Reha and her work. Oh, and don't forget to check out Cancel Plans at www.cancelplans.com. Follow us on Instagram at cancelplans.club and come say hi to me on my personal Instagram, which is at malikaredigi. See you next week. Yo, tell them to follow me also. Even I have opened one Instagram account. Oh, really, auntie? Sure, of course. What's your Instagram handle? Handle? What is handle? 
they don't have any handle in all that what is this <laughs> okay no problem you can tell them next time okay 